Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and, and from the one who truly does still our souls, Jesus Christ. Amen. The choir so beautifully sung, Be Still My Soul. And if you listen to the words that were sung, they talk about the reason, because our souls are not always still. And sometimes they, don't, they should uh, not be stilled. Storms, we should be able to see the storms that are around us, as Jesus did. Jesus, the only and the ultimate one who stills our souls and calms the storms of this life. And how did he do it? He summed it up in one of the verses from our gospel reading. The message today will be based on Matthew 16, 21 to 23. Here once again, how Jesus is able to still our soul. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. This is a portion of God's word. Listening. Listening seems to be one of those dying hearts these days. We talk about selective listening or selective hearing. You know, having filters that, that hear what you want to hear and believe what you want to believe. Sound familiar? And yes, often we men are the worst at this. We practice selective hearing. So my, my walk with Jesus today is all about listening, listening, really listening to Jesus as I walk with him. The reality is, unfortunately, that this is not some new problem as we hear about it, the listening of the church leaders to Jesus. What church leaders? Well, Jesus said he must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. See, those church leaders that the Holy Spirit led Matthew to write down and to record are not the heathen religious leaders of the countries around them, those who worship Baal and Ashtoreth. These religious leaders were the leaders of the church of God in Israel. They were the ones who were to serve the Lord. They included elders in the church, those men with years of experience at leading, those men who would gather groups together for various reasons and do the, the work, the hands-on work of the church are giving their recommendations, highly respected in that culture. These leaders included chief priests 
in the temple. I mean, those men of high godly standards who were chosen to represent the people before God. The high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies and that one day, that day of atonement, first taking the blood of a lamb because he was a sinner and shedding it on the Ark of the Covenant and then going out and, and taking the blood of another lamb, a, a, a blameless lamb, and going in again and sprinkling that on the Ark of the Covenant for the sins of the people. All of this, of course, pointed to the one and only one who could do that, the, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Christ. High priest, perhaps the most highly respected, listened to human in church. These leaders included teachers of the word in religious schools. The men who were trained in God's word to have the truth of that word in their heads and on their hearts. Those men who were to share these truths and were gifted at doing that with young and old alike. Those men then, like teachers now, the ones that parents would say, you always listen to those teachers and do exactly what they say. What, what exactly did they say? The teachers of the law, the high priests, the elders. To Jesus, at least, they said, crucify him, crucify him. And we wonder why. Well, of all people, why the people, the church leaders, those people that were selected to do God's work, why would they work against Jesus? What possible reasons could there be for their such attitudes and actions? Oh, they had listened to Jesus, at least what the words are that he said. And they saw or heard about the kinds of miraculous, wonderful, marvelous, so-called things that Jesus did. The words were received, not believed, not trusted in, not followed. A few examples from this same book of Matthew, the sections are printed out. Are where they're found are in your uh, outlines. But just to give you a little flavor of the kinds of things that went on between Jesus and these leaders in the church. First in Matthew 12, 1 to 13, Jesus and his disciples on the Sabbath day, the holy day, were walking along and they were hungry. So the disciples picked a few of the kernels of grain to eat. And the leaders, some of the leaders in the church who were always following, looking to nitpick, uh, the Pharisees saw this. They said, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And after a little bit of discussion about it with Jesus, the section ends, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill him. Next section same chapter, 20, verses 22 to 24. 
Jesus cast out a demon, a demon from a demon-possessed man. And those same uh, Pharisees uh, were there, or when they heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Right? That was their reaction to that marvelous miracle. A little bit later in that same chapter, 39 to 45, we hear the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Give us more proof. And Jesus says, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. Why didn't they like him? Look what he called them. Do you like to be called names? Even if it happens to be true? I mean, who is this Jesus anyway? Only one who can read hearts and minds then and now. Who could hear their whisperings behind his back then and now. Then in the chapter where our section comes from, chapter 16, verses uh, 1 through the 12, this section as, again, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and, and tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he says he's not going to do it. Gets in the boat with his disciples and says to them, Be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Any characteristics, any, any common things seem to go through these and the other events that you uh, are familiar with and Jesus interacting with the leaders of the church? Because if there are, perhaps they would give warning for us, leaders in the church today, right? We pastors, the elders, the teachers of God's word. Do we think, ever think of ourselves like these leaders seem to think of themselves? Obviously very intelligent. Conclusion, therefore they're always right. (laughs) Sinful for those people to think they are always right. No matter what the situations, even if they're disagreeing with God himself. Those thoughts are sinful today also. Or they seem to think they have a superior uh, understanding of God and of God's people and of situations. So they could not be challenged. Sinful for church leaders then and sinful for church leaders today. They seem to have missed the concept of their role in God's plan. Those church leaders like church leaders today, were to listen to Jesus, right? Understand who he is and what his role was and how we are to be supportive of that role. Sadly, each of them, like each of us, you know, pastors and elders 
and teachers of the law have a, a, a sinful nature. A sinful nature that, that wants to listen to Satan and work with Satan, not fight against Satan. See, there needs to be a, a constant vigilance to remember who we're fighting against, who the enemy is, and that's Satan. For sadly, we are not only capable of not listening to Jesus and following him, we have times when we don't. And to the leaders in our church, I, I don't know all those times. Your times, at least. I can think of a few of mine. But I know one who does know. I know one who doesn't make wrong judgments. And you know that one, too. And that one is Jesus, right? He hears and sees everything and knows the motivation for the things that, that we do. Some serious reasons, perhaps, to have souls that are unrest and need to be stilled. Dear leaders, for you and me. For those of you who are now glad you're not leaders in the church, just a follower, you know? And boy, I'm going to stay a follower because look what happens when you're a leader. Okay? Um, then relate to another follower. Peter. See, after Jesus told his disciples about the wicked things that the church leaders would soon be doing, he told them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then a church member called Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never Happened to you. What's, what's, what's going on, Peter? Think about what goes on with us church members sometimes. Sometimes church members don't like to hear what God has to say. I mean, who wants to hear that Jesus needs to suffer the punishment of hell because of things that I did. That you did. Or that, that Peter did. You know, Peter didn't hate Jesus. Peter didn't want to work against Jesus. Peter wanted to do what was best for Jesus. What he thought was best for Jesus. I mean, what person, either a church leader or a church member, wants to be confronted with their sinfulness or a particular sin? Church members, just because we know better, we're taught better, we're desired to be better. The harsh reality is often we are not. 
And when we sin, we are saying to Jesus, Never, Lord. This should never happen. And we don't hear and, and deal with the things in a God-pleasing way. Then often we are followers who don't agree with what we hear. See, we deal with this. I just don't agree with it. I just don't think it's true. I don't think that's what we're going to do. I don't, I don't care. Um, see, if and when a church leader, because that's their role, needs to confront someone caught in a sin, and that member doesn't like what they say and, and doesn't agree with it, does that mean it's not a sin? about when that person confronted is us? Or if and when a, a church leader confronts someone with the, what they think is a sin which isn't a sin, then what do we do? How do we react? What do, what do we think? How do we deal with it in a God-pleasing way? See, whenever we don't listen to Jesus, be it a church leader or a church member, we sin. And we followers become stumbling blocks. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Human concerns? Well, of course we have human concerns. We are human. See, the problem is when our human concerns take over and block our hearing of the concerns of God. Peter was not talking out of hatred for Jesus like the Jewish leaders were. He was talking from a heart that was misguided because he didn't listen to Jesus. I mean, really listen, without his filters on of what they thought the Messiah should do, of what they thought the Messiah would be. I mean, Jesus told them over and over and over again that his kingdom was not of this world. He had come into this world to suffer. He was a servant. And now this was going to happen, and it was going to happen soon. He was going to be the suffering Savior so that he could pay for sin, so that he could defeat Satan and sin and death. See, the cost was more than what Peter could bear. But it was not more than what Jesus could bear, was willing to bear and did bear. See, when, when we get messed up and our hearing about Jesus gets garbled because of our concerns rather than his concerns then we are in danger of being stumbling blocks, not building blocks in the kingdom of God. We stumble over ourselves and people stumble over us. See, Jesus always had in mind the concerns of God. Concerns of God? Well, how could these church leaders in his day and church leaders in our day and church members then and now be rescued. Be given new ears. 
hearing aids, if you will, corrected? How could every sin of misguided listening or purposeful putting our hands over our ears so we do not hear what our God would say to us rescue us so that we and they would not spend an eternity hearing the deafening sounds of a place called hell? The answer? I mean, the, the only answer of those kinds of questions and how my soul can be stilled? Listen. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and the third day be raised to life. See, Jesus, after living a, a perfect life as a church member, as an elder, as the teacher of God's word in our place, then he needed to be the perfect high priest. That would go not into a man-made holy of holies, but into the holy of holies in heaven. And not with the blood of the lamb, but with his blood. Blood that, that, that was shed, blood that suffered. So that church leaders and church members would never have to suffer. See, and that's what he was going to do. That's what this season of Lent is all about, to help us remember that and be reminded that our souls are not stilled because we do not sin. Our souls are stilled because we have one who did not sin that suffered in our place. Right? It is in that light, that song that was sung by the choir, become so tremendously beautiful and meaningful to us. I encourage you to, later in the service or this afternoon, open up that folder again. Read through that beautiful hymn song again. And let the truth there and the truth of Scripture Bring calm to your soul. Whether you are a church leader, a pastor, or an elder, or a teacher of the word, or someone that benefits from the people God calls, let your heart be stilled. Why? Because Jesus must go, and he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. See, the must, of course, is a must that... He provided. It was his plan that he must do that. It was nothing. Well, you must do this for us. No, he said, I must do this for them. I love them. I care about them. Every one of them. See, don't let Satan beating us up for our sins, whether it's leaders or church members, so that we do not hear the voice of Jesus talking to you. Listen to him. See, the must was a must of mercy and a must of compassion. It was a must of what, what the Bible calls agape love, God's love. That goes beyond our understanding, but not beyond our hearing and receiving what Jesus accomplished. We all church leaders and church members need to realize 
that it was our sins. It was, and we're just as guilty as the church leaders and the church members at Jesus' time when they said, crucify him, crucify him. Listen to what Jesus said to them. Right? Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, we all church leaders and church members need a crucified and a risen Christ. And the good news, the great news is we have one, and we know him, and we believe in him, and we want to listen to him. Listen then. Listen. As he says, I lived a perfect life for you. I suffered for you. I died for you. But I rose again, and that's for you. And I have a place in heaven prepared and waiting for you. You are forgiven. Heaven awaits. Listen and live your life in a way that shows thanks to Jesus and mirrors and honors him for others so that you can be a building block, not a stumbling block. So the people, the, the church can be built on Jesus Christ with you as a part of that. That's what Jesus says to us. Dear friends, listen to Jesus' words. Listen carefully. For he says to you, I love you. Amen.